Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we ride in a live horse, 1d6, I don't know, giddy-ups at a time, whatever. It's Boot Hill, an old TSR Cowboys and Cowboys Alone game. No gimmicks, no magic, no monsters, just cowboys. Oh, and it's the third edition because the first two editions were pamphlets. Uh, anyway, God My Ass is Swollen, Rawhide, it's System Mastery. everybody, welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by my dependable and trusty compatriot, John. John, how are you? I'm great. I got myself a, a nice little vanilla porter here. Mm, and, uh, that sounds delightful. All right. Yeah. I had a little uh, caramel corn, so I've got a little sweetness uh, infused in the beer that I am drinking. What's your, uh, what is this beer? We've, I don't think we've ever had beer on the show. Oh, certainly we, oh yeah, I guess we've had ciders. <laughs> yeah, I, I occasionally provide ciders, but, uh, that's because I'm a ciderman. Yes. Uh. I do whatever a cider can. <laughs> catches thieves, just like ciders. <laughs> am I, uh, am I strong? Listen, bud, uh, I'm made from fermented apples and crud. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Way to be. So uh what kind of beer what kind of beer you got going on? It's a it's a nice little vanilla porter ale mm-hmm. from uh Colorado. Ooh, that does sound delightful. And it's it's only here because I wanted to be on theme for our rootness tootness cowboy shootness review in the wild west. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I thought about writing the intro and doing it in some kind of cowboy eye dialect and so on, but I'm I'm honestly not a huge fan of cowboys as a genre. Well, that's fine. I mean, God yeah. knows I've never been particularly into it, so. I feel like uh, there was a switch that was supposed to flip when I had a kid where I was suddenly like, supposed to like cowboy movies, and it didn't happen. I pretty much liked the same ones I already liked. Ah. Any one where there's a hilarious gimmick, as opposed to it being an actual cowboy movie. Oh, yeah. Like, if they have to fight aliens, or if there's a sci-fi twist, or if uh, half of them have gun gimmicks that they know how to do, then I'll watch that cowboy movie. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I've been reading through the Marvel Unlimited stuff, the old Battle World crossover thing that happened when there was just chunks of random different realities smashed together at one point. Mm-hmm. And one of them is an old West Marvel world, and one of the guys is Doctor Octopus, but he just has a contraption where eight guns pop out and shoot. And I was like, "This is great." <laughs> Do they all pop out from the same gun? Like he holds up a gun, and eight minor guns come loose from it? No, it pops out from his side like the arms would. Oh, fine. I guess that's okay. Besides, a gun that splits up into lots of smaller guns was a gimmick on uh, Justice League Unlimited. Ah. Then they, when they went to the Old West. And to me, that was, that was it, there was an episode, you, you remember that episode where there was like a guy who invented a time machine and he wasn't even like a big deal? He was just some dude with a time machine, but he fucked up everything? Ah, I mean, if you're a dude with a time machine, that's entirely likely to happen. But he went and created his own little empire in the Old West by bringing in stuff from other time zones and the stuff he brought in was ridiculous. He like populated the old West with a gun that splits up into eight guns. And for some reason that was especially menacing to wonder woman. <laughs> sure. And also everybody rode dinosaurs, but they weren't, they were robot dinosaurs. So you could kill them. <laughs> Great. So he went to some point in time where lifelike robot dinosaur mounts were a popular thing and brought those back to the old West. <laughs> Good. <laughs> anyhow that's not what we have on our hands today this is a game where if you were a fan of uh D back in like the 80s and you were occasionally read the mag the uh, dungeon or dragon magazine or any other gaming magazine you'd see that D would occasionally try to push their other two lines hmm. they'd be like oh we don't we don't just have D. why not check out gamma world uh an irradiated land of mutants and laser fingers uh or 
if that's not quite your speed, try Boot Hill, the cowboy game. And I, I get it, because, like, you know, I don't think it's that dads get to a certain age and enjoy cowboy stuff. It's just dads of the age when we were kids enjoyed cowboy stuff. And so no, I no, can see them there. trying to appeal to that demographic. Yeah, no, you're not, you're not wrong there. Uh, and certainly there is always going to be a market for cowboy stuff. People do actually really enjoy it. Uh, I just, I'm just saying that's my, my primary recollection of uh, Boot Hill in general is just that it was always being mentioned in magazines and so on at the end of the era, mm-hmm. but I never once saw a copy of it anywhere. I mean, I'll As be a, honest, I had never even really heard of this game until we got our hands on this. <laughs> I knew it was out there, but I didn't know that much about it. There's only three editions of it, apparently, as opposed to, you know, D&D's 5 and Gamma World 7. But uh, the editions are few and far between, and they are very small. Uh, the first two are 36 pages long each. Hmm. Uh, and and so it's very much... I, I've flipped through one of them. I opened up Boot Hill First Edition just to see if it was worth doing for the show. And if you've read an old Dave Arnes and Gary Gygax type book where... They didn't even bother letting Gary wax rhapsodic about everything with his weird Brobdingnagian dialect. Then you'd get an idea for what it is. It's just wall-to-wall tables for 36 pages. Hooray! My favorite thing! I didn't. That's why I didn't bring it to the table for us, because I was like, we can't review this. No, it's... I mean, it's hard enough to review one of these old-style games where it's really just very dry and especially in something like this there really isn't a setting or anything it's just it is the old west have fun yeah, you know <laughs> it's all the old west too because there's a big section at the back of this book that's given over to every famous cowboy real or imagined that anyone has ever written down the name of even once and all of their stats oh yeah and it it definitely is a game that wants to make sure that this is very distinct from the other lines because it's very much grounded in like, no, you're doing regular ass cowboy shit. Like, sure, you might be a real good shot or whatever, but, you know, nobody's got a laser gun. Nobody's doing spells. This is all supposed to be very grounded in reality. Yeah. Like, I kept expecting that if I went far enough into the book, I'd eventually hit the section where it's like, hey, what if I want to spice up my cowboy game? How do I add dinosaurs? What if or I want to be I... Buck Rogers in space? Yeah, or if I want to have wizard levels. And it never does that. This is a very, very straightforward game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with that in mind, we should probably get right into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, since, you know, there's not really much in the way of setting to get into, we could basically just start probably right at character gen, I assume. Yep, yep, we sure can. There are five stats in this game, and those stats are strength, coordination, observation, and I'm trying to go from memory because I completely the wrong page of the book. Stature open. and luck. Stature and luck. And of those, three of them are numbers ranging from 2 to 20, and the other two are numbers ranging from 1 to 10. Yeah, which right off the bat, the fact that you are doing a 2d10 system for getting your attributes, I was like, oh, you know, every other fucking game of this time was just stealing the 3d6. The fact that among their own line, they decided to go with a different thing was neat. You know, I haven't read one in a while, but I think the super old Gamma World books were done with percentile scores. But yeah, you're right. This is uh, for, a, for a game from, this is from 90, 90 uh, 1990 specifically. And and yeah, it doesn't use 3D6, even though it's a TSR game and you'd think it would. It uses 2D10 and it, it has a balancing mechanism to make it hard to roll too bad or too well. Yeah. So for your first three stack stats for your strength, coordination, observation, you're just going to roll 2D10 and combine them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you see whatever you have, you know, you're looking at a normally a swing from 2 to 20, which is a pretty wild variation. But at least yeah. in this, there are different methods of rolling your character, but all of them use a modifier. So that if I roll real low, I get a two through a five. I immediately add plus five to whatever I rolled. So the lowest mm-hmm. you can get is a seven in this. Yeah, that's the lowest stat you can get on any of the 2d10 stats. 
Uh, and then it, it progressively, the modifier drops as your actual rolled stat rises. Yeah, so if I get up to like a 14, I'm going to get a plus two. But if I roll 18 to 20, I just keep whatever I rolled. It's not like, you know, I need any help. I rolled really well. Yeah, but ultimately it what it does is it creates a bell curve that's a little flatter than what 2d10's bell curve would normally look like. Uh, and uh, uh, obviously it, it changes the minimum because the minimum is not two, it's seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Without changing the unlikelihood of hitting, you actually are fairly likely to get, uh, well, it just basically turns it into a bell curve from seven to 20 that looks a lot like a 3d6 bell curve in terms of arc. And the uh, the different methods are interesting because... They are. You have the first method is the just go straight down the line, like mm-hmm. you know, roll your two d ten for everything for stature and luck. You just divide in half and round up. Yep. Uh, but after that, you get some interesting things where, for the second method, you actually uh, instead of using them in order, you can go ahead and just you know roll your five numbers and then put them in any order and then divide by half for the luck and stature. So you get to yeah, kind of choose what type of character you want to play. And method three is exactly the kind of thing you see in old TSR games. Instead of rolling your stats five times, roll eight stats, and then you have to keep them in order, but you can knock out any three in any order you would like. So, for example, if your first number that you roll happens to be a 17, you can strike it out if you want, or you can have a 17 in strength, but you, there's no way to get that stat. Uh, you're, you're ultimately going to uh, not be able to rearrange them so much as just remove three from the line. Oh, yeah. And it's so interesting to me because, I mean, for a game like this, there was definitely that sort of contingent that was like, oh, you have to be full random, go down the line. And this sort of being a like midway compromise between assign your stats where you want them or you have to do it in order of like, well, you roll eight of them, but you're going to get rid of three. And while that can mean you just get rid of your three worst rolls and you have a, you know, on average, much better character, you can also be like, oh, well, maybe I really want to get this one good stat in like coordination. So I'll cut out one in between a good stat and that so that I can bump this up. It's an, it's way more complicated than it should be to be useful, but it is at least interesting. Yeah. It's basically right in that line of, uh, there were a lot of halting measures in D and D and TSR games in general in this era towards, Oh, just let everyone put things where they want to. Don't worry about it. There doesn't need to be a mini game at the start of the game, but, uh, but not willing to quite go there. So instead, they always came up with these kind of slightly less, but still sort of random generation mechanics. Yeah, and this one, honestly, the eight down the line, remove three numbers is just wild to me as far as trying to make that work. Yeah. Now, uh, also, because there's only five stats, they do a fairly good job of dividing up what they do. So strength is uh, basically combined strength and what you would normally consider endurance, which frankly, is a really good combination to do and should be done in D&D as well. Hmm. Strength and constitution can be the same stat. It wouldn't change much. Yeah. Uh, coordination is all kinds of dexterity, manual, hand-to-hand, balance. Observation is alertness and vigilance. Like, it's not just how good are you at seeing things, it's how willing are you to stand around looking for things. Oh, yeah. Now, And then stature and luck are, you know, what, what they sound like, pretty much. They're what they say on the 10. Yeah, it's how well-known you are and how lucky you are. Now, the interesting thing for me here is that Mm -hmm. it is an early game that got rid of intelligence as an attribute. That's true. Like, instead of it being like, oh, yeah, some people are smarter than others just generically, it was just, no, you've got some skills, and if you're good in those skills, then you're good at that. Like, it doesn't matter. There's no intelligence. No one has an IQ stat. It's just, hey, did you figure out how to, I don't know, be a blacksmith? Great, you're a fucking blacksmith. Good. Yeah, and notably, none of the three stats, the 2D10 stats, even mention anything about your wits or your smarts or whatever. They don't They don't cover it. No. Uh, so, 
So it's it's intentional. It's not that they buried intelligence in observation or something like that. It is strictly not there. Oh, yeah. And you can, outside of skills, there are plenty of things that are just stat rolls. And this game is a d20 roll under. Mm-hmm. So if I've got, say, a 14 in strength and I just want to lift something, there's not really a skill that is lift stuff up. So yeah. I just roll for strength, and if I roll under my stat, great, I can do it. You know, maybe there's a modifier. But then if yeah. you actually want to do anything skilled, that's all going to be on, do you know how to do this? Yes. Yeah, uh, you get a certain number of skills, and the way it's inversely proportionate to how high your stats are. Which, again, so a you- neat balancing issue here. Where if you rolled super well and you're like, oh yeah, my character is a super badass, I don't really have any weaknesses, they're like, okay, cool, you can rely on your stats, you get fewer skills than you otherwise would. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense, because normally that kind of inverse proportionate balancing mechanism that you see in old games like this tends to not make a lot of sense, because again, there'd be an intelligence metric, so you'd be like, well... How come my character is punished for having really high stats by having a really low skill number, even though one of his really high stats is intelligence? Well, not here. And even then, if you did have that, it would be like, oh, well, you would be punished by the baseline, but because you have a high intelligence, you get an extra bonus to the skills you know, so fuck you, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, And knowledge of skills isn't necessarily a measure of direct intelligence. It just represents your experience, your willingness to learn, your time on the range. Oh, uh, yeah. Your background. And honestly, there's, God, there are a shitload of skills in there. There are 57 uh, work yeah. skills and then another five that are just weapons. Yeah. And mostly it's just sort of a history of what people were doing in the Old West. So you got your Wainwright and your your seamstress and your thespian. Yeah. And uh, I I actually do like it since normally when I see a giant list of skills... I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, God damn it. You're I know you're just like, OK, I get to pick like four of these and then I can't do anything. This is garbage. But at least with this, it's like, well, mostly you're going to be rolling on your stats if you don't really have anything else to do. This is just what did you do professionally? Like, how did you get work? So if you're like, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, I take the dentistry skill because I was a fucking dentist. Great, congratulations, you can do that. But, you know, in the course of riding and rustling, you probably aren't going to care too much about those 57 skills outside of a couple that they probably shouldn't have put in there. Yeah, I was going to say, the the problem is that there's a ton of them and they're interesting. You can take things like cow handling or bureaucracy and be like yeah because i used to be the a civil servant cowboy who lived in town but now obviously i ride the range with you guys uh but several of them contribute combat bonuses or are unlock mechanisms that let you use certain types of uh of abilities in the game which means that most characters are going to be like all right well i gotta take i think it's tactics well yeah you want to take you, tactics fast yeah. draw very much yes uh it's probably for the best if you take gunsmithing, because if mm-hmm. your gun ever jams, you can unjam it faster if you have gunsmithing. And explosives is probably a really smart choice as well, because without it, you're you're taking your life in your hands every time you use common thematic elements of cowboy things, dynamite. Yeah. Now, the nice thing at least is, even at the high end of stats where you get the fewest amount of skills, you're getting six. Yeah. So you can still be like, all right, I take tactics and fast draw and, you know, any of the things that seem like they would work in a, you know, combat setting. Maybe I'll take throwing so I can throw dynamite, whatever. And you'll probably mm-hmm. at least have one or two left to go, all right, what's the flavor for my character? Uh, I don't know, medicine. I was a doctor. Sure, great. Yeah, and it's not like everybody in the group needs to take tactics, because we, we, I mentioned right away that tactics is one that someone needs to take because this game's initiative system is literally just both sides roll a D6. Highest roll goes for, gets to, uh, they don't, I don't think they go first exactly. They get to wait and hear the declared actions of the other side before they have to declare their own actions. Uh, so well, it's it's a huge advantage to have tactics because it's the only way to modify that die. If, oh, yeah. If someone if you on your side has get tactics. A tactics roll, if you succeed, then you get a plus one to your roll. 
It is the only modifier to the initiative die roll in the game, and therefore it's super important, but only one person on your side needs to succeed at a tactics roll to accomplish this. Yeah. So it, you don't really need it. Also, you're going to want to take a couple of weapon skills, or they call them weapon skills, but one of them is just brawling. Uh, those are the way that you're going to contribute to combat. You can't have more than half of your starting skills be weapon skills. Yeah. In now, an attempt to kind of push a little bit more of a rounded character. Oh, yeah. They're like, you can't just go, well, I'm going to put everything into, I don't know, pistol, because fuck you, I just want to shoot guys. They're like, no, you have to have some skills to be out here. There has to be more to you than just a gun. Yeah, and that's worth noting as well. Uh, when you say put everything into pistol, it's because you can take weapon skills more than once. And each time you take yeah. them, it increases the sk- the uh, the value of that skill for you by one. Because the way that the work skills are is uh, if you pick, let's just say I get trapping. Like, I was a trapper before I started this game. All right. Yeah. Well, I pick trapping as one of my skills. And I just mm-hmm. roll 2d20, and that's what my skill is. Yeah, exactly. It's another random roll. It's got nothing to do with your stats. Yep. So, you know, I might start out and be like, cool, I want to be, you know, a Wainwright or whatever, and roll my dice. And if I roll like crap, I can be like, all right, well, maybe that's just something I dabbled in, and I can take a different <laughs> skill. But with weapon skills, like Jeff was saying, Instead of it being you roll like 2d20 and now that's what my skill with, say, a rifle is. Instead, you're like, oh, if I get rifle skill, I just add plus one to my roll on or my target on whatever I'm using that uh, weapon for. Yeah. Yeah. And you can take the same skill more than once to become a, kind of a master of that weapon. Uh, with a, where There's a mix between... Uh, melee and ranged weapons between archery pistol and rifle on one side and brawling and knife slash sword on the other uh i assume because it's set around the era of the right after the civil war so there's still some cavalry sabers around oh yeah and i mean brawling and knife especially are one of those things where you're like it's not like every time someone you know annoys you in a saloon you're gonna be like and i shoot them you know, you're going yeah. to want to be like, oh, I get into a fight and maybe someone escalates it to a knife fight. But like, there aren't going to be a lot of situations where you're just like, oh, yeah, immediately people pull guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's the Old West wasn't as lawless as it was made out to be. And and so, yeah, it's not always gunfights everywhere. Uh, notably, the difference between brawling and knife is pretty much that knife is better. And it's ultra dangerous to be in a fight with someone with a knife if you don't have one. But also, if you pull a knife in a regular gambling fight or whatever, you're an asshole and everyone's going to remember it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing where you're saying, like, I want to escalate this. And if you pull a knife on a guy, you're like, oh, you actually want this to be deadly. And that's when a motherfucker might pull a gun. Yeah, exactly. So uh, weapon skill is confusing to me. I mean... It's not like it's a bad system. I actually think it's a fairly smart system overall. Uh, although this is a game that's got a reputation of people avoiding combat just because they don't want to interact with the rule system. Hmm. Uh, but but it, it it's interesting. You can fire a lot of different kinds of shots. Uh, they have an initiative system that's tick driven based around a six. Uh, like I forget. I think it's a single second is the uh the dueling speed of initiative and well, then yeah. the other one is like 10 seconds there's two different ways that you can get into combat so yeah. you can get into a combat that's just a gunfight where everyone's like on sides you're taking you know a standard aim shot at someone it's the kind of fight where you see people like you know, popping up from behind barrels or, you know, horse troughs or whatever and taking shots yeah. at each other. Yeah, exactly. And with that, uh, that is a uh, a six second turn will be a mm-hmm. turn with that. And normally you can do one or two shots. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you can if you slow down uh, when you're taking your shot, if you like, OK, well, th- I'm, I'm taking a named shot, but there's not enough time left in this round. You'll instead roll over and go first early in the next round, which is neat. It's kind of like how uh, exalted tick wheels work. Well, that's more for the uh, the like dual gunfight, and that works with a six tick in one second. And yes. instead of it being like, oh, people are just sort of you know 
hiding and then taking shots when they can. This is, you have two people, you know, squaring off high noon style and they're going to try and quick draw and kill each other. And at that point, you're not like, oh yeah, it's six seconds in between each shot. You're like, no, you're probably going to murder each other before six seconds is up. Yeah. So basically, if you're like, all right, I will carefully draw my pistol, aim it and take an aimed shot to try and kill this guy because I think he's a drunk and a lout. And the other guy's like, I'm going to try and quick draw and put three bullets in him. Then sure, he'll go first, but he's way less likely to hit. Oh, yeah. So the way it works is with a quick draw, you can get your pistol out of your holster without it costing you any speed. Uh, normally if you don't use a quick draw skill, uh, in say the six tick, like super fast combat, it takes you three three ticks to get out. Yeah. Uh, if you, so everyone looks at that and goes like, oh, well I should probably be, you know, fast drawing. But if you fail, it costs you two ticks and then you have to either roll again or spend the three ticks to get it out normally. Yeah, that's correct. So you can, if you fuck up on quick drawing, it gets caught up in your holster and you're about to have a bad time. And then, uh, like Jeff said, there are a few different types of shots you can do. Yeah, there are four. The slow combat where it's six seconds, everyone is just doing the same type of thing. They're just doing a careful shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone's aiming. They're trying to hit, you know, as nice as they can and... For that, your chance to hit is just a roll under coordination. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, With a a modification based on your weapon skill. Now, if you move on to everyone shooting quickly, then you can have a steady shot, uh, which is half your coordination rounded up for how your target number is. Mm -hmm. But you can shoot more of them. Yeah. Which is your coordination divided by four rounded down mm-hmm. or fan firing, which is uh one plus pistol skill or pistol uh-huh. skill. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's one or your pistol skill. So if you have a pistol skill of two, it, you're trying to roll under a two with each one of those shots on a D 20. Yeah. And I understand trying to be like, Oh yeah. If you do like a, uh, a steady shot, that costs you three ticks, but a hip shot costs you two. So you could get, you know, ostensibly three hip shots as opposed to two steady shots. But also, Jesus Christ, you are never going to hit anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the uh, speed at which your accuracy drops more or less suggests that they didn't really test it all that much or that they were, you know, realistic about it. Fan firing is extremely inaccurate. It's just a way to be uh, like, like try and take out six people at once and it almost never works. Oh yeah. And even the hip shot, like the very, you know, standard, we're having the, you know, 10 paces turn and shoot duel Mm -hmm. is if you have a 20 coordination, we're talking, you are, you know, one of the best coordinated people in the world and Mm -hmm. you're top of the game and you've got say three points in pistol skill. So you're fucking great at this. You're still looking at beating an eight to try and shoot this guy. Well, yeah, which is funny to me because that's very realistic in terms of old timey duels. Like very rarely would they actually hit each other or do any kind of real wound. It was all about just settling pride, but it is uh, the opposite of what the movies were like. Oh yeah. So, which is interesting because, you know, a lot of this book feels like it's not written movie style. It's more like it's trying to be a uh, an actual cowboy story. But then you've got all these stats for all for like the man with no name or paladin from from uh, have gun will travel or uh, or the characters from Gunsmoke all have stats. Lone Ranger has stats. Shame. So it's like they're it's like they're doing both. Yeah. And I kind of like part of me likes the idea of like. Okay, you know, you have a standoff and, you know, someone is going to try and draw on the other person and this is extremely unlikely to actually hit anybody, but, you know, you're both going to try and shoot each other. And the fact that when it gets to the, uh, like, the very fast style of shooting, no one is doing aimed shots. 
Like, no one is like, and I'll just aim down the sight here. No, everyone is just in a hail of bullets. I mean, you might as well do it, given that no one's going to hit you. So if if, if you yeah, want to be the one who know. hits. And f- yeah, you're right. There's a low chance that you'll get hit. But they do a pretty good job of describing the difference. There's a description of a duel in here where there's like, a guy who's a quick draw but not especially accurate and kind of random versus his opponent, a fearless guy who has no uh, worry about death whatsoever and takes his time drawing a bead and pulling the pistol and aiming uh, versus the other guy who tries to fan fire him and just doesn't hit at all. Oh, yeah. And it's the sort of thing where you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, because there's such a steep penalty, even just for a steady or a hip shot, you know, oh, Obviously, the only people who should be doing hip shots are the ones who have ridiculously high coordination, but not really. It's like, oh, if I've got like a six in coordination, who gives a fuck? I'm not going to hit him normally anyway. I'll just fucking fan fire all day. Yeah, that gives you six. You've got a revolver in your hand, so that means you've got six one in 20 chances. That's way better than than, uh, three one in 20 chances. So yeah, there's. It's funny that you will get rewarded if you're if you're not dexterous in the slightest or coordinated in the slightest to just fan fire the shit out of things and pray. Oh yeah, and I think that's great that if you're like I'm a good shot, if I actually take a good shot at a guy, I will definitely murder him. And if you're like I'm not a good shot, I am spray and pray. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, wound, this is one of those games where there's a wound track system. I actually kind of like what I was seeing in the wound system. Uh, you, you have a couple different types of things you're tracking. Uh, hit location is very important. Uh, but also the, the, uh, severity of wounds you take is important. And there's only one severity of wound you can take that can kill you. And there's no progressive wound stacking. So you can take light wounds all day long and eventually you'll just fall unconscious. It will not kill you. Yeah, doesn't matter, taking light or uh, medium wounds, whatever, you know, you can get hurt, and as soon as you take enough points of wounds that it meets or surpasses your strength, you pass out, but mm-hmm. unless you take a actual lethal shot, you aren't going to die. Yeah, yeah, uh, granted, you can still die from sepsis if you get passed out, because there's another thing you have to track, which is wound points. Uh, your character has a number of wound points equal, I believe, to I think it's half or a third or something of your your uh, strength score. And uh, each time you take damage, you the uh, roll on the severity chart, it, which is a D6 roll, is also the number of wound points you take. And if you take enough wound points at any one time to match up with the uh, the wound point level that you're at, you go into shock and pass out. You don't die, you just pass out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you don't get medical attention at that point, you still you go into a spiral of having to make luck rolls or you'll die. Uh, and it's also a spiral game in that wounds make you worse at shooting. Yeah, the... I mean, the nice thing, at least, is that it's not, like, additive. It's just... It's not like, oh, I have three wounds, I'm minus three. It's, yeah. oh, do I have a medium wound? I'm minus four just because I have that. That's just the way it's going to be. The only thing that can make it worse is if I get wounded specifically in my shooting arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, of course, this game has are you left or right-handed. Yep, you have a one in 20 shot of being ambidextrous, which the mm-hmm. fact that this has the rule for, oh, did you get shot in your actual good hand? Okay, well, you can put the gun in your other not-dominant hand, but now you're an additional minus two to shoot with it. But if you're Mm -hmm. ambidextrous, it doesn't matter. So that actually is a fairly big deal. Yeah. And and again, remember we were talking earlier about how fan firing is a great choice if you have low coordination? So is just carrying two guns. Because carrying two guns in this game, even if you're ambidextrous, uh, applies a (laughs) minus six penalty to all shots from both of them. Well, the... One thing you're going to be sad at fire there. with that is if you dip below one on your chance to hit. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of this game having a, because oh, right. it's roll under, roll. a one is always a success and a 20 is always a failure, they yeah. instead have confirmation based on luck. Yeah. So if I'm 
so good that my, you know, pistol shot is at a 25 and mm-hmm. I roll a 20. They're like, okay, it's not absolutely a failure. Now, if you roll under luck, you're still going to hit. You just have to, you know, make a luck check to do it. Same thing with the one. Even if you have just an absolute garbage chance to hit someone, there's still a chance you get lucky and, you know, your bullet finds its mark, even though you suck ass. So you roll a (laughs) one and then if you can make a luck check, you'll hit somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's uh, luck checks aren't the best the thing you you don't want to be rolling them all the time. You'll have a luck between one and ten in total. And uh, that means you have at most a 50 percent chance of not uh, of not uh, or of hitting. Yeah. If you have to go against a luck check. But at least it isn't the one is always success, 20 is always failure binary. I do at least like that they are like, no, there's a chance at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's it's a, it's a an interesting system. I mean, granted, I'm not going to say it's super good because ultimately it still is a lot of friggin' rolls you have to make. Oh, yeah. Like, cause you're not just, when you roll it, when you roll to shoot someone, you roll to see if you get under your coordination, plus that rounding stuff you have to do, if, depending on what kind of shot it is. Then you have to roll to see where you hit them. And there's also a roll for the severity of the hit. And there's a luck roll. If you happen to dip below one or above 20, there's just every shot in this game has a lot of crap going on. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. There's no getting around it. The game's going to bog down a little bit when you're, and, and there's a lot of table checking to do as well. Because checking to see uh, where you hit someone is not something you're going to have memorized all that often. No, and it's a D20 to see where you hit. So mm-hmm. you're like, all right, I got to do a D20 for where I hit them. Then I got to do and- a D6 for the severity severity of the hit. Mm-hmm. So you're and- not even able to combine dice into this. Yeah, and-, and when you shoot someone for location, you can modify it. Uh, based on what kind of shot you were doing and how high your weapon skill is with that kind of weapon. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, if you if you are shooting someone with a steady shot, then you get like I think it's a quarter. No, it, it's depending on range as well. There's a there's a yet another table in there uh, that that tell like for example, if you take a careful shot at short range, when you roll your weapon or your hit location table. You can use your weapon skill modifier. So if you have a, a pistol score of three, then you can go up or down three on the rolling chart of wound locations that you hit uh, to modify that from like, oh, let's say I rolled a four. That's a right leg shot. I can move that up by by one into a left arm shot and try and take out the person's shooting arm. Yeah. Uh, and that changes based on ranges. That's it, You can do your entire weapon score rounded up uh at short range with a careful shot, but half your weapon score rounded up if it's, oh, sorry, rounded down if it's a careful shot at, at long range and a quarter if it's a careful shot in extreme range. And it there's a whole table of these. So it is not a thing where you're going to have this all memorized and easy to do for quite some time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a shame because at first I was like, oh, this is kind of neat, at least as far as like the tick system and you know, who's going when and whether you'll want to use like, you know, a careful or a hip shot or whatever, uh, all seems very interesting and based on, you know, types of characters and what your stats and what you're going for. But by the Mm -hmm. time you look at it and you're like, uh, you, you fell into the whole, uh, I need to have charts for everything. And so instead of it being like, cool and then i shot you and you took damage it's like well let's bring down the old chart well i'm gonna shoot three times this round which means three times i'm gonna roll a d20 to try and get under my coordination score then i'm gonna roll a different d20 to see where i hit them on a wound location modified based on range and weapon skill to see how far i can change that then for each one that hits i'm gonna roll a wound severity number chart and keep in mind that if you ever roll a six on that chart and uh If you ever roll a six on the chart, it's not modified by a wound severity number modifier chart. You just killed that guy. Well, that's the thing. Mortal wounds give you one last chance of a luck roll. Yeah, there's a luck roll. Uh, But like, okay, let's say I shoot someone and I roll a a 14 on my roll. And I have a two on my pistol skill. I'm going to push that up to a 15. That makes it a chest shot. 
Then I'm going to roll my wound severity number. Because it's a chest shot, I'm going to add one to my D6 roll, which means now I kill that guy on a five or a six. Now, if I kill him, he makes a luck roll. And if he if he uh, succeeds at the luck roll, it becomes a light roll. And it's a narrative thing. It's kind of a neat little bit where it's like, hey, if you take a mortal wound and you reduce it to a light wound from luck, you got to tell us why. Oh, yeah. And they're like, you can't use the same thing twice. If someone shoots you with for a mortal wound and you're like, Ah, yes, the Bible I keep in my chest pocket blocked the bullet. I just took, you know, bruising from it. Like, great, you can't do that again. If someone Mm -hmm. shoots you for a mortal wound, you can't be like, hey, it's that Bible again. (laughs) I'm just covered in Bibles. Look, I decided to put on the armor of faith, and by that I mean I am covered in Bibles. And I'm covered in babies, like that one character in that (laughs) Marvel comic (laughs) picture. Or maybe that's DC, I don't know. No matter what goes down, it's going to be a messy squish. (laughs) Yeah, so you can, you know, say, oh, it missed me, but it, like, chipped the rock next to me and I got hit by the rock or whatever you want to do. And I think, I feel like this only works for characters. Like, if I get a mortal wound against, you know, some NPC, they're just going to die. Like, they don't get to have a luck roll. Yeah, I think most of the like general chuckleheads you're going to fight have no luck roll. That said, the NPC list in this book, everyone's got a luck stat because they're all like famous heroes. Well, yeah, because they're, I assume, there to be like, oh, did you want to play as Hopalong Cassidy? Well, here you go. Yeah, and I got to tell you, if you if you uh, have the opportunity, you absolutely want to play as the famous heroes because their baseline stats usually tend to start at 16. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... These are experienced veteran cowboys. That's true. There is an XP system in this game that you can use to raise stats and so on. Yep. You can and then raise your skills, raise your stats, get a new skill, whatever you want with it. And you can get uh, like a stat, I think, above 20 with that. But then it just goes into that whole, all right, well, you got to now you fail on a 20 if you don't get the luck check. Yeah. Now, as you can probably imagine, this isn't only a game of six shooters. Obviously, there's going to be rules for long guns and and uh, shotguns and spread when shotguns are fired and the additional number of targets per range l- unit per die roll. And uh, it, it, it's the same stuff that we never talk about in any of these games because it's just bogged down and complicated. Yeah, it's the problem with this game, even with the charts. I'm like, you know, if this was just either bar brawls or pistol duels i'd be like it's a little complicated but honestly for a game that you know came out in 1990 it's not the worst but as soon as you start getting into like shotgun spreads and number of people hit and you know what the carryover for damage is and then having to decide you like okay what's your cover what does that cover when i rolled a hit will that stop a bullet will it not stop a bullet like there's so much stuff past the baseline that makes this so annoying yeah because there's a difference between cover and obscuring where obscuring is like oh it's foggy out so or or there's a lot of leaves blowing around as opposed to cover which is a hill and and yeah there's a it's got this we've seen this cover system before where the way it works is when you shoot at somebody you roll their hit location and if the hit location you hit is behind a cover as the player state or the character stated then uh it hits the cover instead Mm mm-hmm also, I, I want to make this clear. This is a very PvP-focused game. Like, well, it, it, doesn't nece- it doesn't necessarily have to be. You can run it as a campaign system, just like any other game. But almost all of the descriptions of play are of two PCs shooting at each other. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, and it's also- a game where your NPCs are basically the exact same as your PCs as far as what their stats and how they interact with the world are. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, even like the opening paragraph of the book is like, hey, do you want to play this game? Great, let's recreate the OK Corral. Everybody pick one of the characters from that and just fucking shoot at each other until everyone or most of you are dead. Yeah, and in the real OK Corral, two people just fucked off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so, but that's pretty much the description of it is like, this is a game you use primarily to recreate battles. Like yeah. famous battles. It's not till you get to very near the end of the book where it's like, hey, would you like to play this game as a campaign? You can. Hmm, hmm. And granted, that comes with a whole bunch of new rules. There's all these rules for like how far a posse can travel in a day and 
how quickly a posse can be gathered and how much hardtack a guy needs to eat. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, coming from much like the roots of D&D from this wargaming, you can definitely see that here where you're like, what's this? Oh, this is the people that would set up, you know, a historical gunfight and an OK Corral on a table and then sit there and roll dice and be like, ah, oh, neat. That was fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, one of the things I found fascinating about this game specifically, and the reason I was bringing this up at all, was that one of the big descriptions of campaign play is decide all the important people in the region of the world that you're going to be playing in and assign all of them to various players. <laughs> so, for example, you're like, all right, who's playing all these outlaws and Indian chiefs and, and local town mayors and so on? Uh, uh, unless they're super Im- unimportant, just about everybody you meet that might get in a gunfight should be represented by a player. Mm-hmm. Which I found fascinating. That was like, you're not, it's it's almost like you're, it's less D&D and more like Sims or something. Where you're just, okay, what happened? Well, obviously this outlaw and this sheriff in this one town are going to get into a shootout over a matter of a, of a, of a mule. Well, we can't just say that that happens. Someone's got to play both of them. We got to roll it out. Yeah. So it's very simulation-y, and, and it's it's certainly interesting in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, certainly, it's very easy to make characters. After all, you only have a couple of stats. You're just mostly rolling randomly for everything. So it's not a big deal to quickly populate a neighborhood with important people and go through and play as them. Now, I, don't, I, I have a, a history and a habit of making fun of the part of the book that's like, this is how fast a mule can travel. This is how fast a cook can travel. But honestly, in this game, that stuff makes a lot of sense, and I'm more or less glad it's included, because they did a good job of establishing what the point of campaign play in this game is, which is like, you are you guys are playing northern Colorado. That's that's the campaign setting. Yeah, I mean, it's I with did most find- of the stuff in there, it's not like, oh yeah, you're going to go to this town and then fuck off to some other state and do something. You're like, nah, man, you are very limited in where you are going. Yeah, you're playing the little vignettes of a cowboy life, and very rarely did they travel all that far, unless they were on cattle drives. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to get yourself a covered wagon and head west, then yeah, no, (laughs) you're just going to chill. There's a section in there for speed of overland travel that I found amusing. There's a part where it's like, uh, guys who are, a, a posse of people who are walking can go two miles an hour for 16 hours, and then they have to rest, so they can get 32 miles out of it. If they're running... They can go uh, four miles an hour for three hours in a row, and then they need to rest for an hour. And also, they still need to take a full eight hours of rest at the end of the day, which I did the math, and it means you can either go 32 or 48 miles an hour, and there's no downside to running. Ah. There's no part where it's like, your characters are going to have a penalty or whatever. They'll start suffering light wounds if you make them fucking run all day. That's not the case. You, If you're traveling overland and you're chasing something, run. You might as well run. <laughs> you might as well jump. <laughs> Similarly, one of my favorite little little foibles I found in the back there, I already told you about it, was um, that you can build mule trains and oxen trains, which is just lines of mules or oxen pulling carts. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a mule train can go 12 to 15 miles an hour. Uh, mules are dependable, sturdy, sure-footed, and they're, they're, there's no joke in here about how they're stubborn or whatever. It's just like, this is about how fast they go. They, aren't, they don't run. Oxen are a little slower. They can go 10 to 12 miles an hour. And then they get into this uh, a careta, which is a, a Mexican type of, uh, of ox cart, which they spend a lot of time denigrating. They're like, the careta is a crappy cart with no good axles and the wheels aren't greased and it might as well have triangles for wheels. And it's just a piece of shit. They're usually pulled by oxen. Anyway, their top speed is 30 miles an hour and they can do oh. that all day. Huh? And I'm like, I, I guess the oxen hates c- carrying it. So it goes as fast as it freaking can in an attempt to escape. What do we do? I got to get away from this thing. This thing's awful. I got to go three times my regular speed. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I assume it's a typo or something. It's probably that it could go three miles an hour. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, there's this huge list of NPCs because the people who wrote this really liked cowboys. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going into this and you're like, I want to do cowboy stuff. I mean, at least they do have a lot of stuff here on like, Here's an entire chapter just on horses and, like, how to find horse quality and busting a bronc and figuring out, you know, 
you know, the best types of saddles and what is it like if you shoot from horseback? How, how is it if I try to shoot a horse? Like there's a lot of stuff for that, but yeah, you know, honestly, they also have the stats every- for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Almost everything in this book is respectable and belongs where it is. Uh, it, it's it, ultimately the biggest complaint you would probably have about it is that the combat is, uh, I mean, we're about to get to best and worst anyway, but, but yeah, is that the combat takes forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ultimately you really have to be interested in doing the basic mechanics of, of a uh, cowboy movie life that, that, cause that's all there is here. Hmm. And a lot of it's just random in that old TSR way where it's like, uh, Oh, if you commit a crime, then perhaps frontier justice will chase you down. Here's a, a random percentile table of what happens if they catch you. I do uh, like they might find you. <laughs> Go ahead. I like in this game that your stature score, uh, you can't spend XP to do it. It's just based on your exploits because it's how well known you yeah. are. But it doesn't uh-huh. differentiate between being famous or infamous. So if I'm a lawman and everyone's like, oh, yes, that famous lawman and he's brought so many scoundrels to justice and then I just decide, fuck it, I'm a cow thief now, then... I still have the exact same stature. It's just that now I am also well known for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, they, they do a lot of random stuff in the, t- and I get it. It's cause it's an old TSR game. And a lot of this was based around, let's just roll dice and find out what happens. But uh, it, it's funny when it's super random and it's like, you got caught by the law. They find you. If you rolled a nine, $50. And if you rolled a 10, $200. And if you rolled 11, $500. Hmm. Like, wouldn't you know how much they fine you? Wouldn't it be on your wanted posters? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be like, oh, the penalty for whatever the dumb thing I did is meh. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's randomized. Uh, uh. And it's the same thing for if you are caught by vigilantes who are pursuing justice or a posse who is pursuing justice. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I do like, uh, they do have the whole thing where it's like, here's all of the, you know, named people from history and from fiction of cowboys but they do have a npc list where it's like here is your generic cowboy here is the stats for you know your standard gambler and whatnot Mm -hmm. yeah and they give two more stats to npcs Mm -hmm. and they get bravery and greed and yeah that is it's just neat that you can be like oh if i'm dealing with an npc then i can also deal with how brave they are and how greedy they are to be like oh i can you know either threaten them such that they'll leave me alone if they're not brave or inspire them to go into combat with me if they are but i can also be like yeah but this dude's greedy enough that the bounty on you is like high enough that it doesn't matter that he's not brave he's gonna try and get it anyway Mm mm-hmm uh, I also find it amusing that the last page of the NPC stat list is the NPCs from the game that was played in-house mm. uh, from, like, the first edition. So, And they'll tell you whose they are. So they've got, like, Dave Arneson's character, Ben Cartwheel. Uh, and and there's Gary Gygax's character, Ernie... No, wait, sorry, that's his, son, his uh, brother's character. Uh, Gary's character is Mr. G. Mm. And he's a rancher, and he's got really bad stats. Lol. And so- there's a few other old... <laughs> The old D and D creator names listed throughout. Uh, I do like going through this just to see anyone they gave sort of a crap stat to, just because they were mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, fuck this guy." <laughs> like you look at Jesse Evans, who was in Billy the Kid's gang, and he has a luck of one because that dude got wrecked. <laughs> yeah, mostly I, I find myself looking at just a huge list of everybody having at least a seventeen to nineteen in. Uh, coordination specifically because it's the gunfighting stat and that's what everyone was famous for oh yeah i mean if you're going to be a famous gunfighter obviously you're not going to be bad at coordination yeah i wonder if they gave bat masterson the whip skill or is that specifically a dc comics thing Uh. i do not know anyway let's get into favorites and least favorites john what do you say sure why not what was your favorite thing about this game uh my favorite thing about this was the stat rolling balance system. I absolutely loved the idea that a game this old and associated with TSR would actually have 
any eye towards balance. Like, it didn't yeah. just say, oh, well, if your character's success, congratulations, you're Mr. Roleplay. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you could be like, shit. great, your stats are actually a 7 to 20 instead of a 2 to 20 on 2d10, and yep. most likely you're going to have a decent stat somewhere, and we've got two different methods of rolling that will let you at least either completely or somewhat change where your stats are. So the fact that there is even a bit of balance in this game is my favorite thing. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm going to, I like the inverse proportionate skill generation thing where these skills. And also I, I got to say this, I, I know you pointed it out, but it is one of my favorite things. No intelligence stat mm-hmm. is a smart way to go. I think that's, I think that's a clever thing to not bother with. Like, if you want to play your character as a dope, there's still probably a use for him out on the range because, shoot, a lot of dopes went out to try and be cowboys. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're some dope, great. Do you still know how to shoe a horse? Fabulous. You can do that. It doesn't matter if you're some dope. Yeah, exactly. You can be the guy who rides around in the cart and is like, I made beans for dinner. You always make beans for dinner. That's why I'm so good at it. That's why they call me Beans. Beans Cassidy. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's that's the thing I like. The lack of an intelligence score and also the fact that it, the uh, skill system is inversely proportionate to how many points you have in stats, uh, meaning that most characters come out modestly well-rounded in one way or another. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your least favorite thing about this game? I... <sighs> Honestly, I think my, if I have to narrow it down to one thing, I feel like I gotta go with the way that everything changes once you get to different weapons. If they had one system for everything, then that would be one thing. If it was like, oh, you can, yeah, sure, you can hit a bunch of people with a shotgun, but like, then that's the same as trying to fan fire a whole bunch of people because you're not actually trying to get one dude with a majority of your buckshot like yeah, sure no, use the same stats but no they have to have different rules for all of these different types of things yeah there's six weapon types and there's six sets of rules for how they work technically seven because there's also a section for what happens when you get into a knife fight with a person who has a knife and you don't oh yeah i mean there's brawling and then grappling, which is its own thing, because of course it is, mm-hmm. it's TSR. And then there's knife fighting, and then there's knife fighting a dude who's brawling. Yeah, so there's just way too much. That felt like it could have very well been simplified. I get more or less why it wasn't, because this is a game about those models of combat. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's just uh, it's a game that doesn't lend itself well to easy or remembered play, because there are so many details that you have to remember, remember and so many fractions and whether or not you round up or down changes from one rule to the next. It feels like it's definitely one of those games that you always need to play with the book open. And the thing is, I could forgive them for the like how complex, say, pistol fighting is. Because mm-hmm. I go, yeah, you've got a little bit of complexity here, but honestly, that's pretty much what this game is about, so it's pretty much the only thing you're going to dig your hooks into. Okay, I get it. But the fact that they then went on to complicate everything, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to give a shit about that unless it is the only thing I give a shit about for this character. If I'm shotgun guy, great. Otherwise, I don't care. Yeah, and I'm just going to go with my least favorite thing being that it's too many rolls with too many modifiers between shooting a gun and finding out what it did. Mm-hmm. A lot of that could have been rounded together or combined in various ways. And I feel like uh, not doing so was a missed opportunity. I get it. It's because it's an old simulation-y game, and they really wanted to model every little aspect of everything, including all these, like, weapon jam rules and all this other stuff that was, you know, relevant at the time. But to me, it bogs everything down beyond my level of comfort. Yeah. So so that's going to be my least favorite thing. I get it. But would you play this game? Would you play Boot Hill? Uh, no, I don't really care about cowboys at all it's not a setting Mm -hmm. that really gets me unless you've got some twist like we said at the beginning if you've got you know deadlands sure fine Mm -hmm. is it cowboys versus aliens great whatever but if it's just you're out on the wild west and someone's jumped to claim i'm like i don't give a fuck who cares (laughs) 
Okay, now roll to see if the water's gone bad. <laughs> oh, old Bart's come in and he's shot up the saloon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you guys are wandering across the Badlands when you encounter one of them thar nuns. <laughs> and then, of All course, right. the game is also like, look, look out for them engines. Nah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, uh, it's not I don't need to participate in, in that. <laughs> no, I don't want to. And the book is more or less just very matter of fact. I was really worried about the Indian stuff, given who was writing this. Mm -hmm. uh, who was... <laughs> But luckily, we don't get any, like, old opinions about how nits make lice or whatever in here. It's just very matter-of-fact about, like, where the Kiowa were at this time period and so on. Yeah, I mean, there's still like, ah, here's what happens when you run across an Indian hunting party. And you're like, okay, sure. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a I was pl modestly pleased to see there was a section of quirks or problems or foibles for randomly generated NPCs, and the most offensive thing I could find on it was just the word midget. Yeah. Somehow they somehow they avoided like this guy's some sort of a queer mo. <laughs> yeah, which at I, least. I did not expect them to get away with in 1990. Well, there you go. He's a little light in the boots. He's got a four gallon hat. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I, I also, like I said at the very beginning, cowboys just aren't really my thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would play this. I'm sure if if it had come, if it was like Boot Hill, and also sometimes you fight the undead, then I might have been more invested and willing to try it because some of the mechanics of it are interesting, but it's never going to make it over that hurdle of I don't care about cowboy roles. Yep. I got to have some hook and there are no hooks here. Yeah. What if it was uh, Cowboys versus Hook? Yes. If it was Cowboys versus Hook, then I would be in. Specifically, the movie Hook. Like, you have to fight, like, the, that cowboy. The anthropomorphic yeah. personification of the movie Hook. <laughs> Hundreds of, yeah. VC, of VHS tapes come together and create a tape man. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the movie Hook. It's just made out of them. Yeah. It doesn't say bangarang or nothing. Nope, I just gotta fight the movie Hook. Yeah. There's no point where it throws weirdly colored pie foam at you, or uh, there's no fat kid who rolls into a ball. Nobody is like, there you are, Peter. Mm-hmm. There's no obvious uh, definite old gay romance between Hook and Smee. No, that stays. Oh, does it? That's st How does that stay? It's just a pile of tapes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm allowing it, though. It's fine. It stays. Yeah, but it's there. <laughs> it goes the best part of that movie. Yeah, the uh, that that performance of those two as like an old arguing couple was was fantastic. It was mm, definitely mm, the best mm. part of Hook overall. And I'm factoring in that it was got like a, a, a an appearance by uh, what's his name is in his only acting role. Uh, Help me out here, John. Oh, Phil he's Collins. That, thank you. He's, I was gonna say he's that singer we both love. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> I was like in his only acting role. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, such a weird little moment. All right, everyone. I think that's about enough about Boot Hill from, from us. But hey, why don't you go uh, check out more about Boot Hill from us? Because we're about to go make a bonus content right there on them, that Patreon. That's right. You head over to patreon.com slash system mastery. You support us at any level. And you're going to unlock our bonus content for this show. Because we want you to find out the characters that we're about to make. Yeah, for only a single dollar, you can encounter our rootinest, tootinest, hard fartinest cowboy information possible. And if any man wishes for an extra dollar, he may also get some Star Wars podcasts. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's that is that is exactly how that works. You can get some but, Star Wars. You can get some TV mastery. Hell, you can yeah. get our monthly afterthought show. It's all there. It's all for the taking. Yeah. We make so many different kinds of podcasts. Now, those prices are very subject to change right now. They might, I think they're probably going to change like two days after this, but Ugh. worry not. Uh, I, that's not because we're raising the prices. We're just consolidating from per episode to monthly. I've just been warning people in advance as much as I can. You're going to start seeing emails from Patreon directly fairly soon. We are not jacking up the prices. We're just solidifying so that John and I can take vacations every now and then. Yeah, and I mean, it's just better for you. 
because then you can look at it and know that is what every month the cost will be. So hooray. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing. Don't worry about it. It's coming. Just wanted you to know. Also, go buy our books. Our new book is doing really well, and I want it to do even better so we get more books. More books? It's called, yeah, we have multiple books, John. You can buy our joke book, A Dragon Walks Into a Bar, but more realistically, you can buy our drink book, Dungeon Meister, a cocktail guide that is doing really well and is a good book to have around to make fun, nerdy, game-themed cocktails for your next party or game night, or honestly, given that we're still in a pandemic, that you can drink at your house. For your next Zoom party, you can go ahead mm-hmm. and hold up one of our cocktails and go, aren't you sad you aren't here and I'm not making you one of these? I still can't believe we're twice published authors. It it blows my mind every time I think about it. So please support us in doing that. It's the craziest thing. You can find those books on Amazon or SimonandSchuster.com. Once again, that was Dungeon Meister and a Dragon Walks Into a Bar. Uh, and I think that's just about it. So if you're, if you're good, John, I think we can probably hit the road or the yeah. range or whatever you let's do. Let's hit that old dusty trail. Yeah, let's ride off into that sunset. Shame. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.